Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. As a stand-up comedian, of which I am not, I tried it but once. But you are hilarious, and I've been your fan forever. Oh, thank you. You know, I should say right now, I'm married, so I'm off the table. We could do weekends. Get your bullshit detector and get it honed. Are you mad about something? Go out and seek people who are mad about related things, and also listen to them if part of what they're mad about is you. You actually look for those little kernels of hope. They jump out at me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the good stuff. I think it is the good stuff, and I think we need the good stuff, always. Hi, and welcome to Go Ask Alley. I'm Allie Wentworth, and this season I'm digging into everything I can get my hands on, just peeling back the layers and getting dirty. Okay, so this episode is about our struggling relationship with romance in movies. I'm obsessed with romantic comedies, and for some reason, out there in the zeitgeist, romantic comedies seem to have disappeared. Where have they gone? What has happened to them? And don't they still have a place in our movie-going hearts? So the other day, I posted on Instagram a call-out to all my fantastic listeners to tell me their favorite romantic comedy films. And you did. My producer, Brooke, was flooded with calls. She had to wear rain boots. Hundreds of people calling in with their favorite romantic comedy, which means romantic comedies really strike a chord. People love them. And we're going to be playing some of your calls throughout the whole episode. I remember when I was first dating my husband, George, and we went to go see the movie Moulin Rouge, which is not your typical rom-com because it's got a very sad ending. But I remember at the end of the film, we were clutching each other's hands And he actually was welling up with tears. And maybe for some people, that would be a red flag. But for me, I knew he was the one. Any man that can go to a movie about love and unrequited love and love with a sad, sad ending is the man for me. Anyway... I want to dig in today to what's going on with the rom-coms. I actually think they're going to have a comeback, but right now, we're a little anemic when it comes to love. Which brings me to my guest. Janelle Raleigh is a screenwriter and a playwright, producer, journalist, and film historian. She's also the Deputy Awards and Features Editor for Variety Magazine. Janelle is the host of Variety's Actors on Actors, for which she has won a Daytime Emmy Award and two Los Angeles Emmy Awards. She has written her own romantic comedy, the award-winning play A Kind of Love Story, which she also directed. Okay, Janelle Riley, thank you so much for being here and diving into romantic comedies with me. I mean, I wish I could talk, by the way, about every film in every genre, but I have to stay focused and stay with the rom-com because, and maybe I'm wrong and you can tell me I'm wrong, I feel like rom-coms have disappeared. Am I right? I mean, it's definitely not the golden age of rom-coms, but I feel like they are coming back. And actually, I credit Netflix a lot. They did a whole like summer of the romantic comedy and it did so well. And they're making original comedies that you know, uh, starting with like Set It Up. I don't know if you've seen that one, but yep. movies that like almost shouldn't work, <laughs> but they do. Like you, you, they are better than they have any right to be because they cast them so well. You know, they cast them diversely. They make them look great. 
And so I, I got to give a lot of credit. Is it that they're good or is it because we've just been in COVID for so long that we'll just take anything we can get? I'm curious. I wonder sometimes there's stuff that I watch now on streaming that I wouldn't have watched four years ago. But now I'm like, I don't care. Give it to me, whatever. You're absolutely right. And it's a little bit of both. I would say movies like Set It Up to All the Boys I've Loved Before and particularly the half of it, which was a Cyrano de Bergerac, but a queer version, right. are fantastic movies that, you know, I, I cover the Oscars for a living. And these are the kind of movies I actually think should be nominated for Oscars. And then there are some that like, there's this movie called The Wrong Missy with David Spade. I saw it. I'm not going to say it's a good movie, but boy, did I enjoy it. <laughs> No, it was very funny, which is my next question. So I'm I'm sort of looking back at at romantic comedies, you know, sort of I think the first big burst was with When Harry Met Sally, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. Yeah. It really is the one that set the standard. Yep. And I think it was obviously romantic, but it was very funny. You know, for for many of them that I've seen, I go, oh, it's not funny at all. So it's just mm-hmm. about a boy and a girl and a this and a that. But then like Trainwreck, Amy Schumer's movie, romantic comedy, but really funny. So and, and actually, I think Judd Apatow did that. He started to make Knocked Up and the romantic comedies that are not your typical male, female, hi, I love you, how do we get to each other kind of thing. Like a romantic comedy could be a one minute short film in its, you know, the template of what it is. It's everything you add. And to me, it's like, it's got to be really, really funny. And then, you know, we know where it's going, but take me on the journey and take me on a journey I probably haven't been on before. That's sort of how I feel. It's really interesting what some people consider a romantic comedy. I saw uh, the movie The Notebook on a lot of romantic comedy lists. And I'm like, there is nothing funny about that movie. It's actually incredibly emotional and and tragic. It's a great movie, but I I feel like romance sometimes just gets lumped together with comedy as sort of like a lesser. Right. Right. People don't think that they're as prestigious, whereas like, The romantic comedy genre is one of the hardest things to do right, even though there's a formula. I remember the year Matthew McConaughey won his Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. I did a lot of interviews with him where he repeatedly said, the hardest role I've ever played is the rom-coms because you are playing a role where everyone knows the outcome and you have to pretend you don't know the outcome, but also not make your character an idiot. Right. And also, I would think you're playing somebody close to yourself. You can't really hide in a character when you're just the good looking guy. It's so true. But a lot of those, a lot of those stars like Matthew McConaughey or Reese, a lot of them sort of dove into the romantic comedy genre and then left it, like abandoned it and started to do more character stuff. So I feel like is, is the rom-com like the launching pad? And then from there you go sort of look for the more Oscar-ish roles? That definitely seems to be the pattern. And again, it's so frustrating for me because I love romantic comedies. I also love horror movies. These are two genres that really don't get the respect they deserve, even though like Things like sci-fi are starting to get more respect, you know, when it comes to awards and things like that. You look back on something like When Harry Met Sally and like, obviously that it was nominated for one Oscar for the screenplay, didn't win. I mean, I doubt anyone else remembers any of the movies that came out that year. Right. right. You'll remember the wagon wheel coffee table. Right. (laughs) And of course, the orgasm in the deli. Yes. I'll have what she's having. So, I mean, they're out there. Sometimes, you know, they're a little harder to find because... They're not in theaters and they aren't talked about in the way that they should be. But, 
you know, some of my favorite films of all time were romantic comedies and, and should have gotten more recognition. I think back to, you know, 16 Candles yeah. in the 80s. Like, that's a classic. In the 70s, it was sort of, you know, defined by Annie Hall, which did get some respect. And I, I don't know what happened after that. Um, it's interesting because I, I look back at the past few years, certainly the 90s and 2000, there was lots of romantic comedies. Jennifer Lopez, I think, shot into the stratosphere through that. And now I feel, this is personal, that there's not enough of romantic comedies. And I think people will always want them. And even this past Christmas, my friend Brooke Shields did a Christmas romantic Netflix movie. And I remember when she was shooting it in Scotland and I was like, what are you making? And then it was a big hit. It was trending. It, and and I huge. and I said to her, besides, yeah. you know, what you say to your friends, you're so beautiful and funny and great. But also, I think everybody needed it really badly. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves a romantic comedy. I don't care if they say they don't like a romantic comedy. They will go see one with you. It hits us on such a visceral level. And what do you think what do you think that is that we all just want love? I think that's a big part of it or we we've, we've been told that that is the end goal. It's also wonderful escapism. Um I mean, there are so many stories about the kitchens in Nancy Myers movies. You know, people have written whole essays about like, yeah, the love scenes are great, but what about these kitchens? You know, it's aspirational, it's mm-hmm. funny if it's done right. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I've had a struggle because I both love and sort of resent romantic comedies, because I do feel that they set certain expectations for my life that were probably silly for me to believe and follow. But, you know, when you've been fed Disney movies and princesses and, you know, stories where the two leads hate each other at first, but that just means they're meant to be together, you start to believe those things. So, (laughs) but having said all that and worked it out with my therapist, I am still so happy to sit down and watch any romantic comedy and, and swoon and cry at the end. I think you're right. So why, why do I think that they've gone down under? My guess, if I may, Janelle, and then you're the expert, but I think it's all Marvel now. Like, I don't think the big studios are going to gamble with that. They want big action superhero stuff. Or if Squid Game comes along and it's an unexpected hit, now they'll do 800 Squid Games. But what do you think? I mean, I have nothing against streaming. I'm a big fan of Netflix and Hulu and everything. But it does seem like rom-coms have sort of been shuttled off into streaming. You know, and they're not opening. I mean, not much is opening in theaters these days anyway. Right. You know, Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson have a movie coming out, I think, on Valentine's Day called Marry Me. Uh Uh-huh. That is like, that's, I cannot remember the last time I saw ads for like an old-fashioned, kind of dopey setup, meet cute romantic comedy. I do feel like all the good ones I've seen lately have, you know, and I don't want to say that they've been relegated to streaming because I'm so grateful for it and I get to watch it there, but... You know, Netflix had Single All the Way, yeah. which was, you know, a, a gay romantic comedy and kind of groundbreaking in that the lead character played by Michael Yuri, his gayness is never an issue with his family. You know, he goes home for the holidays and it's about them trying to set him up with the perfect man. And it's, it's really revolutionary in that way. I feel like that would have done really, really well in theaters. But I, I think you're right. It's, it's a risk to take. But 
We're also seeing such a, a great increase in diversity in romantic comedy. Yes. Um, Billy Eichner is the first openly gay man to write and star in a gay rom-com from a major studio. Uh, Universal is doing bros. I'm so excited for that. I have to say there is, I am so ready and have been for a while to have that shift because for a long time, the romantic comedies, you know, the only diversity they had was like the gay best friend. Yep. You know, in My Best Friend's Wedding. I mean, in so many romantic comedies, that was as diverse as they got. And so at least now they're getting to be the leads. There's more people of color involved. And it's not just your very homogenized love story, which thank God. Didn't everyone kind of want My Best Friend's Wedding to really be about the Rupert Everett character? I mean, it was, yes. it was sort of the most interesting one. I'm kind of surprised we never got a spinoff of that. I'm surprised, too. You know, people just loved him. Like, people wanted Julia yeah. Roberts to run off with him. They changed the ending for him. She was supposed to end up with John Corbett at the wedding. And they reshot the whole thing. So she, you know, quote unquote, ended up with him. Really? Yeah, yeah. So there was a whole scene where, she, you know, she ended up with a guy, which... You know, isn't the most revolutionary thing, but at right. the time that was very much the standard way to end it. And and they reshot it so that Rupert Everett shows up at the wedding and dances with her. Well, which is much better. Oh, so much better. So much better. So much better. Yeah. And a good ending can make or break. Totally. Yeah. Hey, Allie. Yes, rom-coms are still a thing. And my wife and I absolutely love Moonstruck. You know, that kind of movie will never die out as far as I'm concerned. And Squid Game, phew. The rom-com that I keep watching, Two for the Road, with Albert Finney and Audrey Hepburn. I watched it over and over when I was young and watched it on TV because everything about it just was otherworldly and beautiful and touching. And as I got older and was in a marriage of my own, I see so many different things in it now, and it touches me in a whole different way. Favorite rom-com? I love Moonstruck. It's complicated and as good as it gets. Those are the movies that I watch on repeat. Hi, Allie. I just wanted to say my favorite rom-com is When Harry Met Sally. I watch it several times a year. It never gets old, and we need more rom-coms. My absolute favorite rom-com is It's Complicated. I love Nancy Meyers' films. I think they're awesome. But that's one where I, every time I bump into it, if I'm channel surfing, I've got to watch it. I'm going to say Defending Your Life. Because there's a great romantic story between Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. Totally love this movie. You can watch it again and again and laugh and completely enjoy it. The movies I watch over and over again are It's Complicated and Because I Said So. Because they're really, really funny. They're very well done and they touch on tough subjects that are hard to discuss or express. I think, openly or within a family system. So, and I'm single and I, it's complicated. I could relate to that.
Let's just talk for a second about the financial world of of movie making right now, which is kind of like our country. Like uh, suddenly the middle class is gone. So either people are making really low budget stuff or it's Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, kind of big blockbuster stuff. And romantic comedies are usually in that mid-budget region. So do you think a lot of it is financing right now? I do. I think that the rom-coms we are seeing are fairly low budget and, you know, have a guaranteed audience, like I said, on Netflix. I will say that Marry Me, the upcoming Jennifer Lopez one, looks pretty big budget. So I'm really hoping it does well. Yeah. But then again, you have a star attached, right? Two stars. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm thinking, where are the my big fat Greek weddings? Like, that's what I'm looking for. Or maybe I'm going to just have to make it with you, Janelle. We're going to have to make our own. (laughs) That's what you have to do. Yes. But you've seen a huge shift anyway in movie business, but just purely because of COVID. We can't make as much stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of backlog of things that they've already bought that they haven't made. And sets are shutting down all the time. So my question to you is, do you find that studios are now just relying on green screen and the big action stuff because... They don't actually have to be on a tropical island with a cast. I mean, I get it. It's it's logistical a lot because I had a friend who recently shot a musical rom-com and he's like, I couldn't have people singing live and I kind of had to write around the kissing scenes. But then I look at something like, again, I'm going to invoke When Harry Met Sally. I don't think that movie costs very much to make. It was shot in and around New York. It's two people talking yeah. for most of the movie. Um, Let me ask you this, uh, a promising young woman, and I say this because you dressed up as her for Halloween, and I saw a picture of it, and and my listeners should go Google that, Janelle (laughs) Riley Halloween. Do you consider a promising young woman a, a romantic comedy? That's a really good question. Offhand, I do not, but I think it is skewering romantic comedy tropes, which might have been what largely intrigued me from the start because I, I, I wrote a play that was supposed to be a parody of romantic comedies, but I'm such a sucker. It kind of became the thing it was parodying because of <laughs> course I was like, they have to get together in the end and there's, there's rules you have to follow. And Emerald Fennell, what she did with Promising Young Woman, completely subverting our expectations. I, I feel like it's okay to talk spoilerish. Yes. If you haven't watched it by now, then... Yeah. There are people who are still so angry that the Carrie Mulligan character dies. Like, they take it deeply personally and they feel betrayed and offended. And I'm always like, you expected this movie to have a happy ending. Yeah. Because it is using these rom-com tropes. Even my mom, who loves the movie, was like, well, I really wanted her and that guy to work it out. And I'm like, that guy is toxic and terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but. That's what we've been conditioned to think. Exactly. But that's exactly right, which is why the ending was so spot on. I think Mm -hmm. it was a romance. uh, I mean, when you think of her in the, let's say, predominantly male role, she was the person that avenged the love of her life's death. And that, to me, was incredibly romantic. So, Mm -hmm. yes, it's not your typical uh, romantic comedy, but I thought it was funny and dark, and I consider it a romantic comedy. I totally do not disagree with that. I think what it does is so brilliant on so many levels. And it's interesting because there's a lot of famous romantic comedies that I really don't like. I'll just use like as I I really can't stand How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. 
I think they're just terrible people and we never get to know the real them. Well, they're terrible people. <sighs> and also the misogyny and sexism in some of those cookie cutter yeah. romantic comedies are maddening. Yes. They just are. They're, it's like, oh, God, you know, anything that's like you can't live unless you catch a man, get a man, have a man. I mean, having two teenage daughters, it's always difficult because I'm like, that's not, no. That's not the end point. That's not the end game, you know. But a lot of those movies, particularly, you know, 20 years ago, they relied on that. Yeah. And and I always think like this movie would be five minutes long if the lead female didn't look like Kate Hudson. Like he is not going to put up with that. And that's why I think like our best romantic comedies are, are people who are relatable. That's why I love Bridesmaids. Yeah. You know, just right. Queen Latifah is one of the most beautiful women in the world. Yep. But... There is a subset of people who will say, well, she's not the traditional leading lady. And I'm like, great. That just means I can relate to her all the more. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And for me, it was when all the bridesmaids, you know, got diarrhea and they shat in the street. That's what I related to. I was like, okay, good. These are my people. I related to Melissa McCarthy taking home six dogs. Totally. That's what I would do. The whole thing, though. The whole thing. Yeah. Um, I made my peace long ago with the idea that you can, it's okay to criticize things you love. Yes. And that's called marriage. <laughs> <laughs> for a long time, it, it became hard for me to enjoy rom-coms because I was like, you know, Beauty and the Beast is probably my favorite Disney movie. And I'm like, okay, this is Stockholm Syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's imprisoning her and she falls in love with him. And there's a lot that I'm willing to look past. <laughs> um, but more and more, I feel like romantic comedies are getting it right, you know, yes. and, and they're recognizing those problems and they're correcting them. And that's been such a joy to see. So Janelle, I'm curious, how, how does the Me Too movement affect the writing and producing of rom-coms now? Oh boy, that is such a good question because, you know, I, I said it's okay to criticize the things you love and Bridget Jones' Diary is a great movie that acts like workplace sexual harassment is just a form of flirting. <laughs> um, that right? And, and we were all okay with it because, you know, they were beautiful people that we wanted to see hooked Yeah, up. I was going to say, we were all okay with it because it was Hugh Grant. Yeah. You know, if it were Henry Kissinger, I'm sure we would have had a different reaction. <laughs> well, I have a type, so so maybe. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's something that is really fascinating to navigate. And, you know, just in, in all forms of entertainment now where people are like, is it okay to make jokes? Is it okay, you know... To, to say these things or do these things, I think it's just going to be a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah. I generally say that I'm not offended by something if, if it's so funny that it earns the laugh. Not always true. Not everyone feels that same way. But I actually think it's a good thing that people are having these conversations. And, you know, I've spoken to some female writers who were the only writer in a room on, you know, they do those roundtables for, for movies sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And they would be like, wait, nobody else sees that this is like kind of gross or problematic. And now people are at least listening. So I think it's actually going to make for better movies. Well, the workplace romantic comedy, there's going to be a huge shift just in general. Yeah, I, I don't know what the last one was. So what was the movie that it was Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant and she started working <gasps> for him? Two Weeks Notice. That's oh, right. That's... Two Weeks Notice. Right. I do like that one, but now I should go back and, and see how it holds up. Yeah. Well, she works for him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember loving it at the time, but I might see it. It's it's hard to be a rom-com fan. You go back in some of these movies, you're like, ooh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, the big one is uh, obviously Love Actually, which, you know, I knew had issues when I saw it, but I, I watch it now and I'm like, yeah, that's funny you say that. We watch it every Christmas and we watched it this year and it was harder to watch than before. Yep. Because it's so glaringly awful, you know? Crazy. It's, yeah, I, I made a uh, short film parody many years ago called Grand Gestures. And this was, I feel that this has been overdone now. Not, not to say that I was the first by any means, but it's a parody of the guy who shows up at the house with the cards. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And as you know, to me, you are perfect. Yeah. And in, in my version, the woman comes back with cards of her own and is like, you're a stalker, go away. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's really funny. But some people will tell you it's so romantic. So I don't want to take away from them. So when he does the cards yeah. and then he walks away and she runs after him and kisses him on the lips. And then he says, right, we're done or something. That's enough or something. Yeah, yeah that's enough. Me and my daughters were having a big discussion about it because what was she doing? My daughters were like, why would she go kiss him on the lips? That's leading him on. That's making him think that there's something there. And I was saying she was being kind and that was he knew it had gone too far. And he was what's your opinion? What was that scene about? Boy, that's that's I, I think that she was just being cute. You know, it was a thank you. But yeah, it is weird that it is a kiss on the lips and it feels romantic. Um, I also think after this guy has just said, I get it, it's not going to happen, that, you know, it's maybe a mistake. Right, right. To do that. But I, I would actually, I really like that writer director. I would actually love to ask him. Good. Ask him for me. Because I, I wonder if he had it to do over. Yeah. Hey, Allie. I love romantic comedies primarily because I grew up in the 90s and I was raised by them. Diane Keaton is essentially my TV mother, for all I can say. So I would say Something's Gotta Give is my go-to, go-to. Um, Harold and Maude, I can go back to Roman Holiday if that counts. Overboard would be my movie I've watched over and over again. Love that movie so much. Okay, best rom-com, The Holiday, by far. My favorite romantic comedy is Bringing Up Baby with Katherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. I don't care how many times I've seen it before. I can always watch it again. I always laugh. It always makes me feel good. So there you go. Love you. Hi. I totally adore Love Actually. Watched it a gazillion times. It still makes me laugh. It still makes me cry. It still makes me feel good. Tootsie, which may be surprising to some if they haven't watched it in a long time, but I've probably watched it at least 300 times. It is hysterical. I can't get enough of Moonstruck. I just watch it every time it's on. I love it. It's like one of my all-time favorite movies. Bridesmaid is my go-to rom-com that I've seen a zillion times. It's my favorite, and rom-coms are not dead. My favorite is The Holiday, because it combines Christmas with a romantic comedy, and it's just perfect. There's something, I don't know, magical about it. It's sunny, and it's cute, and it's beautiful. It just makes you feel good. I could watch it probably every day of the year and never get sick of it. So what's your favorite romantic comedy? Um, I have... You can give me three if you want. 
Okay. Well, I mean, when Harry met Sally is the obvious one, even though like there are these tropes in romantic comedies that sometimes like, you know, well, they start as friends, but it takes 20 years for them to see each other in that way. And right, right. Although when Harry met Sally was probably the first one to really do it. So I'll give it that credit. But um, I love Bridesmaids. Oh, um, the best. And because, again, the emphasis is on the comedy. Yeah. You know, there's a very wonderful romance at it, but that is not the center. Exactly. I was shocked by how much I loved Will Smith in Hitch. Oh, wow. That, yeah. I was not expecting that. Hitch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's funny. We talked about it recently on an acting podcast that I really feel he should have won the Oscar that year for that performance. It was a Cary Grant's. You know, like Matthew McConaughey was saying, you know, he had to be lighthearted. He had to, right. you know, play dumb in some scenes. He had wonderful chemistry with Ava Mendez. And, it, you know, two smart people that they have to believably keep apart, even though we all know they belong together. That's interesting. Um, and then another one I love is Just Right with Queen Latifah in common. Oh, yeah. And it began my long obsession with my future ex-husband, Common. He is... Oh, yeah. So fantastic in that movie. He really is. Yeah. But he is fantastic just all in all. Isn't he great? Yes. I feel like you guys would, would be your own romantic comedy <laughs> if we ever could shoot that. Um, and so you don't think we've lost our appetite for it? I don't think so. I think that I, I actually think we've gotten more discerning. I think that, you know, I, I, I hate to keep picking on something like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, but uh, another Kate Hudson movie, Fool's Gold, things like Failure to Launch, mm -hmm. these romantic comedies that, frankly, were fairly mediocre, mm -hmm. but did really well at the time because they had a star. I mean, I don't think those would hold up now. Right. I think that that we've gotten spoiled by the quality. And, and again, I point to Netflix and all the, and I should actually throw in Hulu, too, because they did Happiest Season mm -hmm. with Kristen Stewart which I also think probably would have lit up the box office if it had uh, been released in theaters. Yeah. So with streaming now, it's very hard to determine what would have been successful and what wouldn't. Yeah. And I would love to see these movies with an audience. Yes. Yeah. I would love to see anything with an audience. <laughs> I'd love to not be alone on my couch watching this stuff. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm going to ask you a fun last question, which is, of all the romantic comedy leads, who was the most exciting to interview? Oh. Because you've interviewed everybody. Interview. Um... <laughs> you know, it, it might be Ray Fiennes because you don't think of him as a rom-com lead. No, I, I, that's not who I was expecting you to say. That's so interesting. It, well, I just remember it was some very serious period piece movie I was talking to him for. And like one of the first things I said was like, I just have to tell you, I love Made in Manhattan. You know? Oh, <laughs> my like, God. <laughs> I bet he wasn't expecting that. He was not. And I was like, this will be such an interesting litmus test. Yeah. Like if he's offended or if he is complimented. And he laughed and he, he, he said something to the extent of like, I don't hear that too often. And he's like, but man, that was that was pretty much a perfect movie for its genre. And I was like, OK, I like you. Yes. Yeah. Despite the pretentious name pronunciation, I really like you. Yes, yes. <laughs> wow, that's great. I love that. I love that story. So, Janelle, we've been opening it up now on my podcast to have the guest ask me a question. You can ask me a question about anything. It doesn't have to be about romantic comedies. So, go ahead. <laughs> 
Actually, since I always make this joke that like, mm -hmm. you know, the greatest rom-com writers like Jane Austen died alone, you know, the, the OG in my opinion. Absolutely. You know, and people always talk about how like I write rom-coms, but my real life, I have virtually no interest in living a rom-com. Uh, for someone who's been married for so long. Are there days where you wish you were single and alone and had a whole house to yourself? Yes, Janelle. Yes, I do. First of all, I've been married for a long time because I got lucky and because a lot of the kind of big fundamental things we agree on. But you are living with somebody <laughs> like nonstop. So there are a few tricks to this. Um, every year on my birthday, I go away for a weekend by myself and I come back a better wife and a better mother. And I also know when I'm getting too inundated that I need to go take a walk or like I can feel it in my body. And I know when like, okay, I need alone time, which I think is really important. So, I mean, I think there are ways to, you know, there's ways to deal with it. And, and find a good balance. There were times when my kids were younger where I was in bed with my husband, two little kids and two dogs. And I would wake up in a pool of urine and have no idea whose it was. And that's when I went, you know what? I gotta, there's gotta be a better way. So it's not a romantic comedy, but you know, sometimes I have a romantic comedy when I'm alone. Sometimes when I, you know, go away and I'm hiking in the mountains, there's nothing more romantic than that. I'm a big fan of solo vacations, so I, I love that advice. Um, can I ask a follow-up question? Yes. Is there one particular fight that you have over and over again? Yes. That never gets resolved? Yes. Uh, the fight is the appreciation fight. I don't feel like you're appreciating me. I don't feel like you're appreciating me. I did this for you, and then, but I did this for you. It's that. It's like a cyclical, like when we start sniping at each other, it's because nobody feels appreciated. But now we've got it down to a shorthand. When we were first married, this fight would take two days. Now it's like 10 minutes. Now it's like, uh, I, I love you. I love you so much. I'm really sorry. I appreciate you. Get naked. Okay. And it's over. <laughs> it's funny you say that because a friend of mine wanted to know if you ever had sex in the White House. And I said, I feel like that's a given. No. Really? No, I wasn't with George. I was sure. No, of course I would on the Oval Office desk, but I didn't know him then. I started dating George when he was already at ABC. So there was no White House uh, hanky panky. I figured once you're in, you have a pass and you get the Lincoln bedroom. Nope. Sorry. I did steal a White House ashtray. That helps. But yeah, no, no, would be great. But no. See, I guess I should have asked that. Well, you did. I did. I did, technically. Yeah. This was so fun. I can't wait to like go to the movie theater with you. Oh, God, I can't With a big box, I know, and popcorn. and. But the thing that just <laughs> keeps me going every day during this COVID world is that right now, right this second, Janelle, George Clooney and Julia Roberts are shooting a traditional romantic comedy in Australia. Yeah. I cannot wait for that. And I think if any two people can bring the romantic comedy back, and I, I feel like if that does well, which it's guaranteed to, that'll jumpstart, I think, the romantic comedy game again. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so great to talk to you. You too. Chanel, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan. I mean, come on. Who doesn't love a romantic comedy? 
They make you feel warm and good, and I think as human beings, we always like our spirit lifted, especially during a pandemic. I mean, I could just watch them on a loop. So we did an unofficial poll, and it seems to suggest that the top three favorite rom-coms are When Harry Met Sally, It's Complicated, and Moonstruck. Well, if you can guess which one I'm in, you might get an edible bouquet. Not from me, but just in your lifetime. And the other thing is, I've noticed, in all three movies, the women have good sex. So maybe that's why we love them so much. I am a child of the 80s, so rom-coms live deep, deep, deep in my heart. I will never not watch Say Anything if I pass it by um, or any of the Breakfast Club movies. But that time is special because that time you didn't have Instagram. You had to wait by the phone for someone to call. Everything took longer, so things mattered more, like standing outside and holding up a boombox and playing that amazing Peter Gabriel song. The Proposal, could watch it a million times over. Betty White, she's so good in that. Don't we all wish we had a Betty White in our lives? Four Weddings and a Funeral, because it's the only VCR tape I ever owned, and I have easily seen it 50 times. I have to watch When Harry Met Sally every single year, if not two or three times a year. There are such classic lines, like, she thinks she's low maintenance, but she's really high maintenance, or I'll have what she's having. And my daughter and I have watched it. She's 35 years old. My daughter and I have watched it over and over. We know all the lines. We use them randomly in inappropriate and appropriate situations. My favorite rom-coms are Bridget Jones movies. And this is because even at 60 years old, I see myself as Bridget Jones. And always probably will. I I mean, I can watch it over and over and over again. Any of the three movies. Best rom-com ever is The American President, by far. Annette Bening is just so beautiful and smart. And I wanted to be her. Who doesn't love Michael Douglas? Rom-coms bring us a lot of hope, not only for romantic relationships, but friendships. And uh, one of my favorites of all time that I could watch once a month at least is When Harry Met Sally. I do not watch movies over and over again, but the one that I do, and I laugh and I cry each time I do watch it, is It's Complicated. My favorite rom-com is Just Go With It with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. But... Uh, once you and Mariska finally film a comedy, that one will be my favorite. You've Got Mail is my number one. It's just the love wins over everything, even after sarcasm and business loss and all that. That just gets me. I mean, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore movie is amazing. The first one that popped into my head that I have to watch at least once a year is The Wedding Date. And the reasons why are Deborah Messing and Holden Taylor, for God's sakes, and Deborah Messing's wardrobe in it. That alone, the wardrobe. Okay, gotta say I'm in my 60s, but my favorite rom-com has to be the first one I ever saw, Bringing Up Baby, Katherine Hepburn, Cary Grant. That was the original. They've all come out of that. It was the best.
Thank you for listening to Go Ask Allie. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And follow me on social media on Twitter at Allie E. Wentworth and on Instagram at The Real Allie Wentworth. Now, if you want to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, I'd love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can call me or text me at 323-364-6356. Or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to Podcast at gmail.com. If you leave a question, you might hear it on Go Ask Alley. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.